Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Grab your fire extinguishers because it was officially a Monday night barn burner at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Listen in as long as you can before one of us gets sent off by Michael Oliver. It's Monday the 6th of November and this is Ramble Reacts. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidushin Hunter-Raja. Yes, indeed. Vish, sometimes we do a Ramble Reacts episode. I'm thinking, what on earth are we going to talk about now? And Chelsea 2 Fulham nil from a few weeks ago springs to mind. It's safe to say that was not the case here. I now have the opposite feeling, namely I hope that we manage to remember everything that happened and managed to fit it all into this episode. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like it was actually quite remarkable that the players were able to fit so much into a 90-minute game. So if you'll allow me, very, very quickly, I'll be as, as brief as I can, this is only going to barely scratch the surface of what happened. But just for admin purposes, the game finished Tottenham 1, Chelsea 4. Spurs opened the scoring through a deflected Dejan Kulusevski goal before Cole Palmer 
equalised for the visitors from the penalty spot after a frankly atrocious <laughs> challenge from Sergio Romero. I mean, what was he doing? It saw him be sent off. It's always the ones you least expect, isn't it? Um, shortly after half-time, Destiny Adogi also saw red. Then Nicholas Jackson added a hat-trick to seal the deal for Chelsea following Spurs' hugely entertaining but basically suicidal decision to continue playing a high line and offside trap, which Chelsea then just kind of had loads of practice at springing over and over again. Um, but as I said, the final score and the goal scores only really go halfway to describing what happened. There were goals, red cards, many, many injuries, actually. Chances, on-pitch bust-ups, the most ridiculous offside trap I've ever seen, as I said, and much more in what has to be the most dramatic game between these two sides since the last one in 2016, uh, the Battle of the Bridge. I mean, it, was, it was breathless stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know where to start with that. It felt like the combination of every type of discourse we've had around these two teams and the Premier League. And I suppose primarily I'm focusing on VAR because it featured prominently throughout the game, really, but specifically in that first half. Yeah. Um, I also like the idea that, you know, we've made this point before, but, you know, with every VAR check, it sets the game on a different path. So, you know, like... You know, there are multiple different strands of this game out there in in different universes, and the one we're in, Nicholas Jackson has a hat trick. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's not right. the maddest one. Like, it's like a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll pop. Someone, Nicholas Jackson's going to pop out of a mirror, like a portal in my living room, in a minute, and uh, <laughs> and start doing my washing up. I mean, on the VAR thing, I mean, we won't do too much on VAR because it's boring for people, and this is supposed to be a reactive episode. But just to, if, if I may, just say one thing. I mean. To put into context what you're saying there, I mean, it's been reported. I didn't time it personally myself, but it's been reported that there were nine minutes of the first half taken up by VAR and 17 minutes in total. And of course, the clock doesn't stop, right? So yeah. that's, I mean, that is really VAR playing a huge amount of, uh, playing a huge part in the game, you know, more than really, you know, most most players probably in terms of how much of a of a contribution they make in terms of a minutage. So it was a very, very, um, very, very you know, kind of, intrusive performance vivar i think is the right word for it and and what's really interesting is if you say you don't know where you, where you want to start let's start at the beginning then because spurs flew out the blocks they were brilliant to start with they scored the goal the goal was fortunate but the build up to the goal was sensational i mean it yeah. was a fortunate deflection but the, the build up was amazing they pulled chelsea all over the place and it was like more of the same it was almost a bit like is this spurs team going to be continue to just be this juggernaut and then they just quite weirdly like completely relinquish control of it. Like, the, 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 the Romero, as we said, he got sent off, and we'll talk a bit about that, but he could have been sent off before that. There was, there was a lot of rashness going on for no real discernible reason, and it gave Chelsea an opportunity, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, massively so. I mean, to to start at the beginning there, yeah, you're right, like, the the pace of Spurs' play at the start was was brilliant. And, and, you know, obviously it wasn't just the play, but it was just how clear they were in their... Their passing and movement, like the the goal, as you said, was was pretty you know scatty. But if you think of Madison's pass from you know the left back position that mm. opened up the entire other side of the field, and it wasn't mm. like a raking you know cross field pass or anything. He was basically playing the ball to the edge of the centre circle in Chelsea's half, and it you know seemed to break them open. And then even the you know the Song Heung Min disallowed goal for offside, which Marginal. was rightly disallowed. Marginal. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant move again. Yeah, and, and again, from a similar thing, but from the other side, where Destiny Adogi ends up picking up the ball in a similar position to where Madison played that ball for the goal, but on the, you know, on the mirror image side, if you will. Um, and But it was Adogi's um, 
double footed challenge on Sterling that Sterling got out of the way of and, and a doggy only got away with a yellow card. That was obviously the first yellow for his mm. sending off. But mm. I mean, he could have been sent off then and there. And that was the moment Spurs seemed to. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost their heads, really. It didn't really make any sense because they were all over Chelsea and something about. I don't know, some, something about that moment, or maybe maybe it would have happened without it, but it really felt like they'd lost... It, it, it felt like they lost the thread of the game that they had worked so hard and done so well to to set up, really, because that, could yeah. have, that should have just been one-way traffic for the first half. Yeah, I mean, the first half an hour... I mean, the first half an hour, basically... Yeah, Kulisevsky scores after six minutes, and you talk about the song goal. And at that point, you know, Spurs are, are flying. And then I think it's 18 minutes that Udogi avoids the red card. I mean, yeah. people will have their own opinions on that. I mean, it's two-footed, it's off the ground. It was reasonable. Like, he was going at a reasonable clip, I suppose. I mean, that's a that's another controversial one that we could discuss endlessly. I don't propose we do that, but we could have done. Then Romero, a few minutes after that. Then there's a Sterling goal which is ruled out for handball right right away after that. And then the Casado thing is five minutes later. So at 28 minutes, you've got <laughs> Casado shooting from miles out. I, I thought the offside decision was quite, was, was kind of glossed over a bit. I'm not sure that was an offside, given that, you know, how far away he was from the goalkeeper when he was judged to be offside for kind of obscuring the view. But nevertheless, I mean, it didn't really matter because ultimately Romero took matters into his own hands like he's some kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger in commando. He's going to kill every Chelsea player one by one. And then and then obviously, you know, Cole Palmer just about squeezes the penalty and it was actually unfortunate. Vicari had an absolutely brilliant game. I mean, he has been on yeah. a personal mission to prove me wrong. I saw him play twice in pre-season, right? Just bored, not really much happening. So I had it on the I had the Spurs preseason games online, just watching him. He was like really dodgy. He looked like oh my god, he's like a, a, an absolute car crash waiting to happen. He has been magnificent ever since, um, yeah, and he almost yeah. saved that penalty, but he didn't. Um, yeah, it's just just an incredible game to process. And and, and and then obviously you know going into the injury time of the first half, um, Mickey Van der Ven, who's been a really big player for Spurs, he obviously pulls a hamstring that looked like quite a nasty one. Madison went off as well, um, which I mean, and, and I, I want to come on to a bit about what um, what that means for Spurs. But before I go too far down the rabbit hole into into half time, have you got anything to say? Um, about about the, the the Romero the Romero challenge. Well, the the thing about it was like it was it was an act of clear clearly an act of desperation, whereby he actually the fact that he gets to the ball first is great, and then just it just carries on with the motion, which you know Gary Neville was saying on comms as a as a defender, and I think Carragher mentioned it too in at half time that as defenders. You know, they know better than anyone that even in the rough and tumble of the Premier League, you can stop yourself from doing that. But the stupidest thing about it was, you know, he gets away with that kick, which is in the, which also we forget is in the same move as the Sterling disallowed goal. So the game, the game yeah, it's all happening. Air kick, yeah, air kick, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just seemed really boneheaded as well. And like, so, so because of the nature of that red card, it's the next three games out. And so those three games are Wolves, Villa and Man City mm. at the end of that. That's the third one there. And then with Mickey van der Ven's injury, that, that's a whole new, you know, pair of centre-backs for, for Spurs for, for the month of November, essentially. Who knows how long he's going to be out for? But also the... I know you... And this is merely me speculating, um, but, you know, you're right, we shouldn't talk about VAR 
too much because it was only a small <laughs> despite you know taking a few minutes out of the first half it was very much a small part in, in how things transpired because I think broadly everything all the decisions that were made eventually were were correct but I do wonder about the stop start nature of that first half and the nature of Van der Ven you know pulling his hamstring yeah. and go for a sprint with Jackson because yeah as we know you know it's those it's those downtime moments that, are, that come as a really surprise that often are quite hard to go back up to. So it's, it's a great know. point, and it's not one that's mentioned that often. The one that is mentioned is, of course, when a player goes through on goal and the, and the, and the assistant referee doesn't flag till later. You know, well, the player could put a hamstring there. Yeah, but you're right yeah. to say that the stop start nature of VAR means surely that those injuries are far more likely to happen. And I, I just felt like you know there was I go I go and see Spurs a fair amount, and like you know when they're at their best. Yeah, Romero is responsible for starting up a lot of their attacks. He kind of they really miss him when he's not there. He's a much more important player than just being a being a centre back, if that makes sense. But he's always had this, and the right word you use there is it's boneheaded. He's he's always had like a, a quite a, almost like a lack of like human empathy for, for his like for his fellow pro, right? And he's also so rash, like he yeah. he can't. Um, he's got like a real nastiness about him. Which I guess can be a strength, right? The same way you saw like Virgil Van Dyke's got a nastiness, you know, no nonsense. You see Virgil Van Dyke in the in the tunnel sometimes, and you think, "Fucking hell, I wouldn't like to be on the wrong end of you," kind of thing. But he seems to be able to control it for the most part. I mean, Romero, this is a pattern of behaviour. You know, this is not like you know. He, he, remind, he always reminds me of a guy um, who used to. Bear with me here. There's a guy I used to work with. Used to cycle into work every day, and he used to cycle across. <laughs> London, right? And you just knew he was one of these lycra types who just took all the risks in, in, with the traffic and stuff like that, right? And and I think the, the period of time I worked with him across a number of years, he must have been knocked off his bike maybe five, six, seven times. And every time he'd go, oh yeah, fucking car drivers and stuff. And, and you end up just thinking, can it really be? I mean, you really that unlucky, right? It's yeah, a pattern yeah. of behaviour. You must be responsible for this. It's the same with Romero. What's that? His fourth, fifth red card? Must yeah. get, must get sent off on average once every fifteen twenty games. Right. I think it. You know what? I think it is that. I think he's right in that sweet spot. Sweet spot. I think I saw someone tweet that it was it's one once every seventeen games. So so if you're getting that nature of red card, yeah. as you say, you're getting a three a three game ban. You're missing a decent percentage of games. And for Spurs, they're flying at the moment. I mean, this this may not derail their kind of um, their momentum just because of the nature of it. And maybe we can speak a bit about that later. But but it isn't ideal because the drop-off between their first 11 and then some of the players that are coming through to replace players who aren't available is a little bit problematic in various positions. So, I don't know. I, I wonder whether you know a manager has to just take a decision with a player like Romero to say, look, these are the pros, these are the cons. And you just you 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 notch it up and just see whether you whether you want to take the rough with the smooth, I suppose. And I, one thing I would say as well is, um, you know, when they replayed the decision on the um, big screen in the Spurs stadium, if you are listening to this episode and are one of those Spurs fans in the stadium that booed that decision, uh, listen up. This is directed aimed you know, aim directly at you. You do not know or understand the laws of the game. It's simple as that. It doesn't. It's never been the case, I don't think. And it's, if it has, it hasn't been for a very long time that you play the ball and that's fine. That's not how it works. It's irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. And if you don't think that's a red card, you know, I've got a bridge to sell you because it was it was a red card all day long. The the thing you say about Romero and the pattern of behaviour, I, I think Spurs fans will be the, the first to, to agree with you there because in part it was always seen as a, 
a bit of a strength. Like, you know, I've got a few mates who are Spurs fans and, and they love Romero unequivocally. Oh, I would love him. I think yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of the time it comes from doing those little niggly things that he actually often gets away with when you think about it. Like, he... He started this season really well, um, not just from a performance point of view, but also keeping that part of him in check. And and I suppose at his best, he gets away with the niggly things, and at his worst, he does something manic like that. He's like both Cray twins. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he, and today, what, we saw Reggie Cray, I think? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, yeah. I don't think either of them were that nice. No, no, but one was more of a wrong one than the other, and we saw that version tonight. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and um, you know, he... he, he as you as you as we say, you know, it's 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 a consistent thing with him. But I mean, if you're talking about why Spurs fans perhaps love him or why football fans love a player like that playing for their team, I think it's because there's a nature of Spurs. If you go back a little bit further, where they've been a bit soft centred, and mm. I think you know you could talk about how many games Romero misses through suspension or the silly decisions he makes, but at least ensures that you know he's going to lead a bit by example and that you're not going to be bullied. You know, I think I think with with um. With him and um, with um, Basuma and with even Hoybier comes in or Benton Cole when he comes back from injury and there are other players as well. They're not really a team that will, will be bullied, I don't think now. Yeah. And and Romero's a big part of that. So you've got to acknowledge that there's a lot of positives to his game as well. But just in that situation, it's at that time of the game, it's in the penalty area, you're a goal ahead. It's just a bit boneheaded. And speaking of boneheaded, you know, I mean, you know, Obviously, Udogi makes that challenge in the second half when he's already on a yellow. I mean, that was arguably a worse decision, given that he's very lucky to stay Agreed. on the pitch anyway. He makes that decision 10 minutes into the second half when the game's still in the balance. You know, you're at home. You're down to 10 men, of course, but you're at home. It's not It's not the end of the world. He wouldn't be the first team ever to, to, to see out a game. But before that, I just want to get your note, note from you on, on right at the end of the first half when Reese James avoided that red card for the elbow. Do you mean that was another decision? Like you know, there was there was no point in this game where nothing happened. Yeah, every yeah. single time you looked up at the screen, something was happening. And the Reese James thing was a little bit controversial as well, wasn't it? There was just so much for the officials to do in this game. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird one. That felt like obviously a very different action in itself. That felt broadly reminiscent of a few of the things we saw in the Arsenal Newcastle game on the weekend. Oh yeah, Jesus! Like where I think I wondered if like. A lot of it had to do with the VAR official trying to work out like the personality of the player and whether they'd see themselves as that kind of player. Because, yeah, he, he didn't need to be raising his arm there, much in the way that Gimenez didn't need to be raising his arm at that point mm. in the in the first half of the Arsenal game. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just... I, it, it happened... I can't remember the exact time, but it happened after everything else had happened in that first half. And I imagine the people at Stockley Park were like, look, let's just get to half time. Let's just, let's just yeah. pass. There's already seven minutes of added time now. We don't get paid extra. We don't <laughs> get paid by decision. They're <laughs> not getting any extra for that, you know. My parking runs out on Wednesday. Come on. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Hi, I'm Dion Dublin, and when I'm not banging my tube, I'm listening to the football ramble. It was more of the same in the second half, right? So uh, we mentioned the doggy then. He he was um he's been great. Like, he's been really good. He's like been a revelation for Spurs. That's the thing, it's, isn't it? It's it's two players who've actually been very good this season who've who've j- just had really stupid moments that have that have cost cost Spurs. And I, and I think I think um you know. They carry on playing the way that, I mean it was it was basically like Limmy, wasn't it? It was like do not don't 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 back down, double down. Like they, they we're still playing this way, Spurs. But Spurs basically said to themselves, We're still gonna play this way, we're gonna make the changes we need to make. Um and then they ended up with this like a preposterous like nine men team of of the back four was Hoyberg at one point, Dyer, Pedro Porro, and Emerson Royale at left back with Skip, Basuma, and a half fit Bentoncourt in front of them. And then they almost, they just played this. And I saw you tweeted a screenshot of it. They played, and it's a remarkable screenshot. But for people listening to this, go and check out Fisher's Twitter and look at that screenshot because they're all playing in a, t- in a single line on the halfway line <laughs> and like basically a... inviting Chelsea to completely spring them over and over again. And then Vicario just races out 100 metres in 10 seconds flat and clings up the ball over and over again, of course. And it worked and everyone loved it on Twitter and Gary Neville loved it. Until it stopped working, which it was yeah. always going to happen, and then it stopped working again and again and again. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like a NFL defensive line. You're like, right, they're it's exactly gonna, like that. They're going to rush the quarterback here. This is what yeah, they're doing. no they're secondary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was absurd, really. And like, uh, I mean, I, I tried to convince myself that it was a smart thing to do, but actually, like, and obviously because of how it played out there's an element of um, me being wise after the event here 
But it felt like if you're going to ask a team who have struggled creatively to to do anything noteworthy, if you're going to ask them instead to try and work out how they can get the ball over, as you said, over, over one, like one line entirely and get their fast players, of which Chelsea have many fast players, to basically go down one side and cut it back to someone else, they're going to work that out and they did work that out. Even with but, Nicholas Jackson, who kept yeah. mistiming his run every single time and had to get Sterling or someone else out wide to spring for him so he could just have the ball cut back and put in the net. Yeah, yeah. But um, even in... Um, but like even as that played out over and over again, you were just like, look, just for, you know, just going on probability alone, like this is going to work out for them. For Chelsea, that is. Like, yeah. it, it just is. And then Spurs and, just kept attacking as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, obviously we, we've we started recording before the post-match press conference and we'll probably not actually get an answer until maybe the embargo stuff that comes out tomorrow and we, you know, people pour through the wreckage of that game. But I, I did wonder if maybe... He thought, if, if maybe um, Postacoglu's thought there was, well, this is how we normally play and we can't just sit back. We're not really a team that sits back and defend because maybe we're not particularly good at that. And certainly the players at Spurs hold on the end there, Eric Dyer and um, Hoiberg, not, they, you know, they've tried to do that before under previous managers and so they've not been able to do it. Yeah, I've got a quote here from Ange on this exact thing. I, I saw it. Uh, producer Rory has kindly put it in the running order for us. Um, and he, say, he says, I mean, it's very hard for me to read this without putting an Australian accent on. Uh, he said, it is just who we are, mate. It's who we are <laughs> and who we will be for as long as I'm here. If we go down to five men, we're going to have a go. <laughs> so he's basically saying, if we get six yes. players sent off, at which point I think the game is under the laws of the game would be abandoned anyway. Well, they can still we play can, on if they want to. If we go to five men, we choose to play on and we yeah. choose to keep attacking. And that is... Actually, it sounds frivolous and it sounds like, and it is funny, obviously, because he is inherently quite a funny bloke. But that does speak to to something a bit wider and a bit bigger than that. And and, and what I was just going to say before we had that Ange quote dropped in there is just that I think it's an amazing credit to the coaching staff that the players will continue to play in the way they're coached, even under that kind of duress, because the natural instinct for anyone generally is to drop deep. It's safer yeah, to do that. Yeah. It's You feel much more comfortable doing that with the game in front of you all the time. You're not turning around running back towards your own goal, which a lot of defensive players don't like. Um, and so I actually would take an awful lot of credit um, if I was a coaching team for Spurs on, on, that, on that stuff. And ultimately, really, I mean, we'll never know. But I mean, if they drop deep and they kind of played the whole game in their own third, they probably would have lost the game anyway. And so yeah. it doesn't really matter. And, and don't forget, 2-1 down, Eric Dyer is probably what? Oh. a hair away from scoring one of the greatest equalisers that stadium seen. Right? I felt so bad for him when because he's, he's had a tough time. He's not getting yeah, picked. Yeah. And he absolutely controlled that volley because he's actually got quite a lot of technique, Eric Dyer, for the position he plays. I felt so bad for him, didn't you? I was, I was really desperate for that to be a goal. Yeah, though, massively, yeah. You, you're right. Like he, He's probably quite underrated as a technician um, because... You know, every now and again, he's on free kicks, you know. Mm. So, like, he, he, they obviously know, you know, or he obviously does have a have a good shot on him. Um, I want to go back to what you were saying, though, about uh, credit to the coaching staff, because I'm inclined to agree with that, because you think even as a even as a professional playing at that level, there'll be an element of, of pride and, and, and through pride, self-preservation that comes into play there. Like, we don't yeah. want to be battered. We don't want to be battered. It'd be safer if we drop back and stuff like that. But as you say, like, they kept going and... And like going into that half time break, 
that's the that's the toughest situation that Postacoglu has been been under um, in his first tenure so far. And it's obviously still very young, um, you know, only a few months. But the next big thing was always going to be this post match, you know, his post match comments from this after yeah. this, um, and maybe it's a bit of a free hit because you're nine men and also, you know, when when Jackson scores what his second, what was the third goal. Chelsea were cheering, obviously. They knew they'd won the game right after the dire uh, disallowed goal. Mm. Spurs fans were clapping. And so it's not yeah. just... It's, I suppose it's not just the players. It's, and, and there'll be some Spurs fans who leave that game thinking, what the hell were we playing at? And mm. there were some some even at half-time who were kind of, you know, certainly on my feed, the Spurs fans that I follow being like, right, this is, this is done. This is really stupid, but this is done. Mm. Um, but th- just the broader feeling around that Club and, and you know, it may be different if the Romero suspension, the Van Ven injury, and we don't know what Madison's situation is with his injury when he had to go off. If that ends up, you know, scuppering their November, which isn't as populated as the teams around them because they're not in Europe, but you know, if that ends up being something that fucks up, then yeah, they can look at this game and think, God, we've really let slip there. But but here and now, and, and when they wake up tomorrow, there'll be an element of like, geez, that was fun. Yeah, mad, it just goes to show you the feeling around the club, right? Because ultimately, mm. on paper, you write it down on paper, you're at home against a rival team, um, you've had a great start to the season, and, they and then two of your yeah. players make make more than one dreadful decision to completely ruin any chance you've got of winning the game. Um, yet it feels like, um, you know, like you say, the dust will settle. But at the moment, as we record this, it feels like there's still great feeling at Spurs. Chelsea still got a bit of convincing to do because they toiled and and you know, they, you know it seems crazy because they won the game four one away from home against a team who hadn't lost a game yet this season, but it still doesn't feel like all is right in the Chelsea camp either. And we haven't spoken about Chelsea, so we should probably speak about them for a wee bit at least. Um, you know, it's another good result for them. I mean, ultimately, you yeah. know, I was really I was really um, surprised and interested to see that before the game Monday Night Football ran a little. Um, infographic, I don't know if you saw it, and it showed that for XG4 and XG against, Chelsea's record is actually better than Spurs's, right? Yet Spurs at the time were sitting in second, well, they still do sit second in the league, and, and Chelsea are now up to 10th. And there's been a feeling, certainly around our parish, from from different people that we've had on the show, from from the gang, that you know Chelsea are better than they've shown. And they did a very professional job last time I saw them in, in person, which was at, at Craven Cottage. What did you make of them? Because the feeling at the moment, like I say, is like they toiled a bit and it wasn't really convincing from there. And Nicholas Jackson needed four million chances to score three open goals. He missed a couple of really easy chances before that, by the way. Mm. Um, yet they emerged 4-1 winners against a rival. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know that you could extrapolate. Well, certainly I, I, I can't extrapolate too much from from this game from them. Because yeah, I feel the same because it's like a bit of a write-off, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Cole Palmer was impressive, but he has been impressive. I thought James was good in patches. I still think they... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I still think they, they don't really know what they are. Like, the, the most convincing passage of play happened to follow their one of their biggest capitulations, again, you know, in the Arsenal game. Like, so... Mm. You know, I'd probably take more from that, you know, from the point where they were 2-0 up against Arsenal, Stamford Bridge, than than anything here. But, I mean, they've come away with a win. I feel like they got over, not that it really affected them or would have affected them as a team, but I thought because of the nature of the game, we've kind of, uh, Pochettino's return to Chelsea was dead and gone. It was like it was 
all pre-match and then nothing at all in the in the game itself. So, yeah, like I wonder how he because you know even by the by the third goal, um, you know Pochettino was still berating his his team. There still seems a bit of a disconnect in terms of what he wants from them and what he's getting from them. Yeah, um, and I don't I I don't think today would have helped at all, really. No, I thought Spurs were seemed really, like, cause because of the reasons we've just talked about, even though they were down to nine men, far more coherent unit. I mean, the job that um, the coaching team at Spurs have done in such a short amount of time, based on a team that finished eighth, I think it was last season, and the feeling around the club was just abysmal. Um, to be able to kind of pick that up so quickly, and I think because of the attitude around the club and because of the way Postacoglu does things, they won't think about this again for a second, I don't reckon. And and it is a big challenge, but I don't think he'll he'll treat it like it's one. I think he'll kind of breeze through it. And when you talked about how um, it's the biggest issue he's faced since being Spurs boss, I mean, I think that's the first home game he's lost as a coach for over 50 games. Right. So it's like, it's a long old time. So the yeah. reaction will, of course, be interesting. But going back to the Chelsea side of it, I mean... I, I'm always of the opinion when you get into it, you, you look forward to a big game like this against two good goodish two or good teams, really. Um, and then there's a sending off, particularly an early sending off. I, I kind of, so, as someone who has to cover games and talk about them, I tend to kind of relax a bit because I think, well, you can't read too much into it because neither team has, 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 has been able to engage in the challenge that they expected to. And particularly when you get two players sent off, it just becomes a bit of a free hit for everyone, including the people watching, right? So yeah, I don't yeah. think there's too much to read into it necessarily. I just think it's a weird situation that Chelsea will win 4-1 away from home. They may not take a huge amount of confidence from it just because for the first 20 minutes or so after the Spurs went down to nine men, they kind of looked a bit confused. They kind of looked yeah. a bit like, you know, a bit like um, they didn't really know what was expected of them, which I think is quite an odd thing to say. They kept falling into that trap over and over again until they eventually worked it out. Um, and, you know, they'll take the win and they'll move on, of course. But it was a very, very odd night, a very entertaining night for us neutrals, um, Vish. Um, I also, by the way, just to change tack slightly, um, did you hear that weird thing Gary Neville said about having a parrot on each shoulder? <laughs> I just remembered that. Like, it just came to me. What the fuck is he talking about? It, it was there was a red parrot. Sorry, was there a red parrot and a blue parrot, or was it a white? I think parrot he was trying to say the whole thing about the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Yeah, but he got confused. But he's not a religious about, man, so he said, like, "I'll do parrots then." Yeah. I'd love it if they cut to him when he did literally have a parrot on his shoulder, <laughs> <laughs> giving him his light, just pecking at his ear. Yeah, oh. and I know this is rich coming from me, but I'm as a co-commentator, he never stops talking. No, but I, I think we, I think that came up somewhere, maybe on the show actually. But it feels like that's generally the nature of it. Like I, I feel like um, broadcasters are trying to work out. You know how BT seem to have like six people on a broadcast, mm. or specifically commentator on the game, and people yeah. people fly and you can call in to BT, and there's a chance I'll put you on air <laughs> with Fletch. You know, not me. <laughs> that's that's but, true of most pe- people, but not me. Yeah, fair. But it feels like with uh, with Sky, they're like there is a constant dialogue there. I I I, I thought this game warranted it. I thought this game was be- was better for it because it was, you know, I I think. You know, Neville and, and Carragher, two very good pundits. And I thought Sturridge today was brilliant as well. Yeah, he's but great. I quite like it that people who do their prep, who've been in the game for so long, can still have moments like us sat at home where they're like, we have, honestly, we have, not a clue. Not, <laughs> not a Scooby what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, um, I think I'd also take a huge amount of um, credit if I was a Spurs fan and, and a lot of joy from the idea that based on that Ange statement that he's put out, um, 
uh, our team has never been less likely to release an ill-advised statement. There's no way under the Postacoglu uh, reign they're ever going to be releasing stupid statements as a club, and that's and and that's the phase we're at now because you know we've seen Liverpool do it, we've seen Arsenal do it. I know Pete's on, spoken a lot about how clubs should have a limited amount of um, pieces of paper they're allowed to release statements on across the season. I just don't think Spurs are ever going to release a statement under Ange. I just don't think he'll let them. Yeah, I think that he's more likely to rock up to Stockley Park with a six pack, big time. And be like, look, 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 let's talk this through. That sounds vaguely threatening. Yeah. I think well, if you didn't pound it, th- if you didn't pound it straight away, he wouldn't like you. No, but no, I don't, I don't think I don't think he's out. I think he's it's even a, a beer as shit as VB is there to be savoured. You shouldn't waste beer. Oh, yeah. I think he's very much from that school of it. Oh, no, that's, that's, it, that's, that's very much your, based on your Instagram activity, that's very much yeah. your policy as well, Vic. You shouldn't waste a good beer. Um, <laughs> should never glug a good beer. No, I always sip a lovely beer. Never glug it. <laughs> um, next up is for Spurs. Let's just, I, know, I said we can't really analyse this too much, but while we're here, we might as well just do a little bit of what's coming next. It'll be Spurs away at Wolves on Saturday lunchtime. Chelsea, interestingly, are the final game of the weekend this weekend at home to Manchester City. What I mean, what do you extrapolate from what happened tonight, if anything, ahead of those two games? Well, I think is to to speak a bit more on Chelsea because I suppose we haven't haven't done too much. Um, the fact that that game's at home against Man City is big. I think the it's hard to kind of take an away crowd and um, implant it into like a home atmosphere. It's never it's never quite the same. The away support is always much better. And you know they were very loud and very kind of they kind of bought into the the vibe of the game, which which I think is quite mm. important, especially like from an enjoyment point of view, both for them and I suppose us neutrals. But I think that's quite a good game for them to have up next. There's a you know who knows what this is from. Let's try and take some of that chaotic energy and channel it there because they've got Newcastle as well after that, mm. and then Brighton Brighton at home, and then Manchester United they should be all right. But they <laughs> little week off for them. Yeah, although well, that could end up being quite a, quite a ridiculous game between two teams who don't really know what they are. But um, yeah, like you you think they'd go into that Man City game thinking you know what the hell because the what the they've had three home games on the bounce coming into this that Arsenal game, then losing to Brentford, and then the. Um, like just a League Cup game. That was, only their, that was kind of their only really poor night at the office recently, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the, the, they what they responded for the Chelsea games going away to Burnley and winning comfortably there. So, yeah, I, I think the yeah, I, I just think that they kind of they'll probably set up with more or less the same team today. I, I think maybe I'm trying to look too much into it, but I felt like there were parts today where you saw how important their fullbacks are just from getting them out of trouble. And like, it felt like a lot of the stuff they were trying early on was on their right side because of Cole Palmer and Reese James. And it felt like they gave, that gave them a bit more, bit more cutting edge because Sterling looked a little bit isolated every time he was out on the left. But again, I'm talking about, you know, 20 minutes on the game where they're the same number of players on both it's sides. It's really hard to judge. Yeah. And I, th- I think on, on, on staying with Chelsea, the Nicholas Jackson thing is interesting because he's a player who seems to miss a lot of chances. He's not been a laughing stock, so I think that's too, going too far to describe it. No, no, think, no, no. I don't think I th- so. I think he has been the victim of a lot of criticism. Uh, because people, I think, cause chiefly because most football fans have been like, Chelsea spent X amount of money. They've got this guy up front. I've literally never heard of him. What's going on? Yet after tonight, 
it's interesting, isn't it? The narratives that get drawn around, written around football. Because now, as we sit here now, he scored exactly the same amount of league goals this season as uh, Evan Ferguson and Ollie Watkins, who've been two kind of, you know, Premier League bays of the season so far. <laughs> and he's done it in fewer minutes than Ollie Watkins, by the way. M- many, many fewer minutes than Ollie Watkins. So that's an interesting thing. I suspect, though, having said what I've just said, it may well return to business as usual next time out. <laughs> if he's literally not, if he's got a defence to play against, I think it might be a bit harder for him. But on, on the Spurs side, as I mentioned, they play Wolves next. And um, I, I kind of banged the drum a lot about this, I suppose. But the interesting thing for Spurs, I think, given the start they've had, uh, which is thrown into sharp focus now after this game and the, and the players that they're going to have missing, is the drop-off is yeah. not ideal. Now, I, I, I think that someone like Hoiberg, for example, is a really good player to have around the club. And I thought he actually did okay um, when he played a full game recently against, who is it? Oh, full, it was the Fulham game at home. I think he played the whole game and he was decent and they, they won the game. Um, but he's he's clearly a drop off from from the players ahead of him in that in that midfield, and now they're going to do it as you mentioned uh, for the foreseeable future without their two first choice centre backs. You know, and and, and th- those two players, if all was well, you know, if there was no trouble at Mill, um, they'd be playing every game, and yeah, so yeah. that goes to show you that, that 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 it could be an interesting situation against Wolves because Wolves, as we've seen on occasion, are very very capable. So it's it's an interesting situation, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and if you think about what what we've been talking about Spurs this season and their their qualities, it's been from moving the ball quickly. And you yeah. players move the ball quickly when they're playing regularly, and they know exactly what to do and exactly where everyone is. And naturally, as well as that drop off, there is going to be you know little things like one of the, you know Hoiberg gets a ball on the turn and has has to look left to know that someone's there, whereas you know, like Madison gets the ball and knows someone's there and plays that pass first time. And obviously, mm. you, we talked about the drop-off in skill, but it's also just the awareness as well and spending that much time out on the field with those players. And and Van der Ven has been one of the signings of the season already, um, mm. or certainly if we're judging it at this, at this stage of the season. And it's the way he carries the ball out. It's, it's his pace as well. He's so big, but he's so quick. He's a big tank as well. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 he's, and he's good with his feet. Um, he's good on the turn and... They're gonna be losing that as well, and we, you know, as you said, Vicario is very good, but it, how that's again a new challenge for him, isn't it? With a entirely new back, you know, centre back pairing in front of him, so Vicario could probably play centre back as well. Oh, he tried, on. he definitely yeah. tried, didn't he? he basically, yeah. he did that for the second half. He made a couple of unbelievable saves as well. Yeah. Um, all right, Fish, I think that's just about as much time as we've got. I hope we managed to cover absolutely everything. Um, it wasn't easy because so much happened. Um, but thank you very much for listening. I think what we'll do is we'll give the very last word to the ex- extraordinarily talented but not very articulate Cole Palmer, who simply said after the game, it's easier playing against nine men. <laughs> He's not wrong, is he? He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. It's goodbye from Vish. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me as well. See you on Wednesday. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.